Hello, Dylan here. Just want to check in up front and say I apologize because I my mic wasn't working on the day of recording, so you're going to have to hear me in this entire podcast through this not as great computer recording. It's not going to sound as good, but hopefully by next week uh, I will have it fixed and yeah, it'll sound a lot better. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to the Great Movies Podcast, a retrospective film review show where we watch and discuss the movies covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Dylan Coyar. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Nick Fulton. Who's supposed to go next? I don't know. We didn't have an we didn't have an order. It's alphabetical order. D oh, J N. Okay. Or if it's it's Nick, it goes then me and then oh, Jana. I, you could have gone alphabetical last name, then it would have been C F G. This is great podcast content. Okay, let's continue. Yeah, it's all right. It's only the first time we've ever done this. <laughs> after three episodes we in a row, no experience after three this. episodes in a row of Dylan and I talking completely over each other during the intro, so we'll we'll get it figured out one day. Yeah. Um, well, today we are going to not necessarily be discussing a movie out of Ebert's great book. We're going to be discussing all of them, and mainly. One that isn't, and it's in his worst movies book. So today we're in the season finale. Uh, we're going to hand out some awards in the back half of the show, but to start off, we're going to talk about one of his least favorite movies. Today we thought we would go with uh, Albert Einstein's 1979 comedy, Real Life, or more likely known as Albert Brooks, but it is very fun that his name is Albert Einstein. It is fun. He's the most notable uh, pick- Albert Einstein, I think. <laughs> Truly the most successful. Uh, we decided to pick this one today because of Charles Grodin's recent passing, and uh, this is one of uh, Grodin's main films that he was on. And um, I think I wanted to sort of start this off with with a little bit of what Ebert said in his review. Um, I'm going to specifically read a section about Charles Grodin himself. Uh, Charles Grodin, as the typical American father, is so low-key, so mumbling, depressed, and transparent that he's not funny, he's just sad. The Grodin character was obviously intended to be intimidated by the filmmaker's invasion of his life, but he should have some modest streak of personality that just to make the invasion funnier. So would you say that Ebert thought Charles Grodin was unsympathetic? Uh, I, Ebert. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's right until the very end. He is, like, completely depressed and low-key, and that's what makes him funny. Like, yes. I, I actually was only, like, kind of mildly into the movie in the first act, and it's not until he um, becomes actively depressed that I really got into the movie and found it a lot funnier. Actually, like, the the, the scene that leads to his depression, the horse scene, was just, like... Um, it's it's a beautiful moment in cinema, <laughs> and every everything after everything after that, I was like, okay, I'm on board with what this movie's doing. Uh, okay, good. That's interesting because Ebert did say he liked the beginning of the movie more yep. than the second half. Yeah, me and him are like totally opposite on this one. the The first bit, I'm like, oh, I get it, it's it's clever, but I don't think I laughed out loud once. 
um, hmm. at that point. I think I'd laugh more in the first half, personally, even though, I mean, I'm here saying real life is like the best American comedy of all time. So uh, I like both sections. But I do think I laughed more at the first half. Uh, Jana, did, what, what, what was your experience with this movie? Um, yeah, so I hadn't seen it before last night. Um, it, I, I went on a real journey <laughs> with this movie. Um, it is very, um, I mean, it's very dark, right? Like, um, and oh, it's so it's dark. It's so dark in a way like that I just, I appreciated more than I enjoyed, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really, like, really well-made movie. I mean, Albert Brooks is so talented. Um, and oh, but yeah. and I think everything he was doing, even when it didn't work for me, I mean, it was on purpose. You know, it's not like I don't think anything about it is unsuccessful. Um, but his the like his like up to eleven manic energy, which is again <laughs> the point, uh, was a lot for me. Um, I'm a little bit more with Ebert, kind of similarly in the first half. I was like, this is this is kind of fun. This is kind of interesting. I'm digging this. And then it gets really, and really dark. And then as it got darker and darker, I was just like, oh God, oh my God. Um, <laughs> the ending the ending really works for me. We'll, we'll obviously get to it. So I kind of was like up and down. And I also did love the horse scene, but like, whew, Albert Brooks, <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, you are you are literally screaming at me and you've been screaming at me for the last 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I can, I can totally see why Ebert just did not connect with this. Like it makes sense to me, even though I think he's wrong about yeah. a, a lot of it. Yeah. I'll tell you the exact, the exact joke that the movie clicked for me mm-hmm. for is when he says the operation was done at 1145, well out of schedule. <laughs> <laughs> There are so many weirdly little jokes in this movie that are not even like built up to or used as a punchline. They're just like, what are they saying? It's so good. Meant to. I'm hoping that maybe you wrote. I'm sure you do have some notes about some of the the lines and jokes because you kind of prompted us to think about what our favorite lines were. And then I, of course, did not write any of them down. But there really were. There's so many little just asides that are Mm -hmm. really funny. My entire notes are okay, lines, are just lines, from which the movie. is kind of why I asked because that's basically the way I go through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking at the IMDb quotes page and laughing. <laughs> which one made you laugh? Right oh, now? just literally the very first one, uh, talking about the cameras, saying only six of these cameras were ever made, only five of them ever worked. We have four of those. It's like, <laughs> oh god, and the cameras. Like, I know it's a very like, it's a joke they come back to a lot, and Ebert didn't think it was funny oh, I, laughed I laughed every, every time, time. It every, to, every time every time the, the every single time especially the so one funny. where the wife opens the front door and is trying to leave and is suddenly like one of the cameramen just like bolts to the other side so funny um and then the uh, the moment that actually did kind of work for or worked for me a lot and this is completely unsurprising um i i really like when he has the line about like we're going to teach the French the true meaning of montage or something, or the, <laughs> oh, we are going to get like, to that and, then, and, then, and then that whole scene that was that's like my favorite scene in the whole movie like, is the zoom montage. That scene. Yeah, that that's when I'm like, this is really on my my level. Um, yeah, God, yeah. I think for me, so what the, the first half doesn't work as well is that the family is like almost immediately as soon as the cameras are on them. They're fucked up. <laughs> That's the great thing is they like, run all these tests to find the perfect family, and this family is so depraved to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like their very first dinner. Um, 
they get into a big fight the next morning the wife leaves the next time we see her she's like trying to spark an affair with albert brooks so they're already like so dysfunctional and i what i liked um more was seeing just seeing charles Grodin like almost catatonically depressed and then that paired against albert brooks just being like him having like the maniacal um like downfall that I think the family doesn't get because they start off like almost at the bottom from from the yeah. moment we start mm-hmm. filming them. Yeah. So I watched this movie in one of my uh, film clubs this week, and we were kind of discussing if Albert Brooks in this movie is the most pathetic scum face of the earth that someone has ever written themselves to be in a movie. I mean, it's up there. Like, <laughs> the only thing we could think of was. Uh, how Louis C.K. would write himself in his television show, except sure. he actually is like, yeah, yeah, that's, it turned that's out hard, to be worse. Yeah, hard, hard, uh, hard comparison. I mean, it's a, it's a good comparison, but yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to revisit now. But like, that's that's the only thing we can think of as comparison of like how pathetic you would write yourself. But um, and that Martin, one, he just is that pathetic. Our Martin Scorsese yeah. in Taxi Driver is. Uh... Oh yeah, <laughs> but that's one scene. That's just. <laughs> yeah he's but... pretty gross in that scene though <laughs> oh man he's a you know we talk about martin scorsese a lot on this movie is a good oh we do is, is one of the finest directors to ever live i would say the finest uh living director um and uh, you know also a producer and a preservationist of film he's a really good actor too when he when he mm-hmm. has what enough I... time to do stuff with he's what, he's what good did i just I... see him in i just shark tail <laughs> Yes, I was watching Shark Tale last week. Um, no, I, I, I just saw him pop up in something and was reminded of, oh, yeah, like he when he wants to pop up in a scene for something, whether it's his own movie or somebody else's, mm-hmm. like he's so good. Love him. Yeah. yeah. No complaints. All right. So to go to like the beginning of this movie, it opens on this sort of town hall meeting where uh, Albert Brooks is supposed to introduce this uh sort of television show experiment that he's doing he has a psychologist there um and instead of doing it like any normal person would do it he flew out an entire jazz orchestra and put on a a, like a genuine broadway musical number where he's like interviewing people in song one of my favorite lines from this part is he's like got to go on got to get this film on its way see you soon hope you like the expensive (laughs) buffet two grand (laughs) And this is just the start of him, like, always trying to mention how rich he is and how much he can just pay people off like him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, that, and that's that somehow, sense. like, the muted, the most muted or normal he is this entire movie is him just trying to perform this musical number. Because uh, then he gets crazy. I say it's before he starts running around in a clown suit uh, for extended periods of time <laughs> later on. So <laughs> things do escalate. That scene is so good. God. Um, this is, this next scene is probably my, my favorite scene in the whole movie, which is where he's sort of like going over the Institute. Um, one of the most famous lines from this movie is, uh, when it's like zooming in on him and he's like, if I had studied harder and had been graded more fairly, I would have been a scientist. And it's like, he throws the joke in the middle of this sentence. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's strange. It kind of reminded me of like Marx Brothers, except without like, the goofy comedy it's more just like they're gonna throw a joke at you like every single second Mm -hmm. 
and they're not going to really even build up to it in any way. Um, one of my favorite things is there's this shot with him walking down a hallway, and it, he's like so far away, and it takes him so long to walk up to the camera, and it's supposed to be super dramatic, but it's it's really stuff. It's really dumb. Is that when he's at the institute? Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's like, uh, we went through like. 2500 hours of testing and if that could be converted into eggs it could feed the city of st louis for two years on a two eggs per person per week basis i thought that was sound like, complicated it, it is. was very expensive yeah i like i like the line about the eggs yeah <laughs> uh. And we get to see some of the expensive technology they're using. One of the things is called the Graphicon 8000, which puts these, like, neural sensors all around your face and is supposed to read your expression from every single filmographic angle. And it comes out with this readout for this guy that's like, face type, oval, best feature, nose, worst feature, the neck area, overall look, Midwestern ordinary, charisma factor 4.2, Thank you. Pick up your shoes at the desk. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Midwestern ordinary. Charisma. What is it? Four point two. Yeah. <laughs> it's out of five, I think. Uh, or maybe yeah, they're using course. the Ebert scale. Oh yeah, it's it's like super charisma. There you go. I don't. I I doubt that um, Brooks would uh, be using the Ebert scale after uh, his one star uh, review of his film debut, his directorial yeah. debut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's a bummer in his um, in his actually, review there is a footnote from like almost 20 years later because uh, i think the review is written in 79 and then there's a footnote from 96 and he's like there are parts of this movie that i still like come back to over and over again yeah because it's funny yeah <laughs> it's smart that's uh, that's interesting that that doesn't surprise me either that it's something he would revisit later on and and reevaluate mm. i do think this film in some ways works better ahead of its time or like into the future because of how much reality TV. Sure. Um, and uh, even like social media stuff is so prevalent in society nowadays that this is sort of parodying before it really became a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the same time, I think it might actually not work better in the time we're in because it somehow doesn't go far enough in actually displaying how insane so much of this but yeah. uh I, I could see how that would have been a little off-putting in a time before there was really any reality television besides this pbs american family show mm-hmm. yeah um we also get introduced to these infrared cameras that they put up all over which uh come back for some good jokes later but most especially the et now or 2000s these camera that are digital cameras before there were ever digital cameras which is pretty funny mm-hmm. but they're like headsets worn over like something out of star wars that I, I just, are just so weird and like nick said there's there's a great line about uh how, how oh no Jana, Jana, you said it that that she read like the six were ever made five were oh yeah of them worked and we have <laughs> we have four of those, of those yeah <laughs> Yeah, Um, just everything about the technology. I mean, it's it's something that before I watched the movie and I'd seen images and stuff from it where I was like, is this a sci-fi movie? Like, is it has that sort of kind of I mean, it has that little twinge of like sort of just almost near future sci-fi where it's like we have but it's obviously absurdist um, at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that they they think that the uh, 
whole test spit out two perfect couples. So instead of uh, choosing one by writing more tests, they just are like, do you want to spend the winter in Wisconsin? <laughs> Arizona. No. Arizona. Okay, let's go to Phoenix. Yep. Um, yeah. So then they go to Phoenix. Um, there's a great line that isn't supposed to be a joke, but is now a joke where it says, Phoenix, almost one million people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... You might want to check that metro population. Out yeah, there. it's more like five. I was gonna say, people. yeah. Now it's a huge metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this great scene where uh, they they get off the plane and uh, they get home, and they're introducing the family to the cast and crew of the set, and uh, he's just going one by one, listing what their job is and not saying their names, and uh, the mom is like wait, what are their names? And Albert is like, doesn't matter. And then Charles just grows and just keeps on saying, how do you do? How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? <laughs> He's so deadpan. It's so funny. But at the end of it, uh, like they're all confused why all these people are here. And Albert Brooks are like, oh, it's just the union. We have to take all of them. Now go enjoy Phoenix. <laughs> uh... Yeah. Um, Nick mentioned that, uh, the family doesn't start off in the best place. This is mm-hmm. just about one of the most cringiest dinner scenes I've ever seen. <clears throat> oh my god! Yeah, uh, that's a tough the watch. Wife, <laughs> the wife is yelling at the husband about complaining about her menstrual cramps and is like, "I'm bleeding out everywhere every day because of you. Because you want safe sex. Now I'm going to rip this IUD out tomorrow. <laughs> and then if you want safe sex, you can go home to your animals." And it's like, "Oh my god." Uh. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough sit for a while there. Mm-hmm. And then I love that Albert Brooks goes over to the psychologist's house the, later that day, and he's just like, the dad's sympathetic, right? He's sympathetic, like, you know, he's he's a complex character, and they're both just like, no. Not really. <laughs> Which I, I think really works for the movie, and it's especially, like, works for the sort of lane that Charles Grodin inhabits. Mm-hmm. Um I just I don't think Ebert connected to that. No, I well, and I think, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that Ebert well, definitely Ebert didn't connect with it, um, because it really is so understated, which is maybe not what, especially was expected from Charles Grodin, because like I was expecting him to have more of like a manic freak out, which we get obviously yeah. from Albert Brooks instead, and it and oh hello Belly, oh. hey Belly, <laughs> Belly was like I'll show you manic freak out, um, <laughs> but yeah, Charles Grodin just like yeah, just kind of. Sad, just sad, Saki, for so long. Yeah, I think do um, sort of prefer him still in the roles where he plays just a gigantic asshole, uh-huh. like Heartbreak Kid, or um, sort of a different speed of gigantic asshole in the Great Muppet Caper. I was going to say Great Muppet Caper, mm-hmm. but he yeah, he but does he's have he's dry. got yeah he's got such good comic timing oh, um, yeah. in in any mode of acting that pretty much always whenever he's around he's going to be one of the funniest people to watch. Uh, Mm-hmm. In the movie, yeah, I think all three of the leads, uh, Frances uh, Lee McCain, I think is her name. She's the mom from Gremlins. Um, Charles Grodin and Albert Brooks. I think all three bring a sort of different energy to the movie and really great comic timing to make this whole thing work well for me. Um, so after this horrible dinner, uh, the mom leaves to go spend time with her friend. Um, I, there's like this great point where she's like i just want to be alone and albert brooks is like okay i understand can i come with you can we can we come with you can we bring some cameras and she's like 
No. <laughs> um, but after she's had this time, uh, like one of you guys mentioned, I forget who, but like she tries to have an affair with Albert Brooks. Mm-hmm. And this scene is so funny because every time she compliments him, he's like, oh, yeah. And he like slips these sunglasses on and tries to act all cool. But every time she actually makes an advance on him, she's like, so freaked out by any sort of interpersonal connection like when she like tries to hug him he's just like patting air behind yeah. her back and my favorite one is where like she kisses him and he just goes <laughs> 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 what an ass yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah probably good that she didn't uh, have an affair with Albert Brooks because um, yeah, what would have made a bad situation worse? <laughs> yeah, but at, at that scene, they she agrees that um, Albert Brooks is allowed to film her uh, gynecology appointment oh. where they take out her IUD, right? Which is a great scene because uh, they come in with cameras and the the gynecologist is like all freaked out with the cameras, and at first you're like. You think it's some sort of like weird thing, like oh, like you can't have a violation, right? right? Like, like yeah. yeah, professional, you know, ethics or whatever. Yeah, but then you find out that he was part of a sixty-minute segment where he was baby like slave the... auctions. Ba- yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, it's like they were baby slave auctions. Did you see the sixty minutes? God. And Brooks gets all excited, and uh, I like where the the doctor's like. Uh, the 60 Minutes guy sent me an apology, and Brooke's like, oh, let's see the apology. And the doctor says, it's out being permaplaxed. Oh, God. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, now everything basically goes downhill for the family mm-hmm. at this point, even more so. On the wife's side of things, she has her tragedy is uh, her mom has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where she calls Albert Brooks it has one of the strangest physical comedy jokes where it shows Brooks sleeping and then the phone call wakes him up and he just goes and spits out this like glob of food onto this placemat that was, he was sleeping with in his mouth. And then he's like, it cuts to the wife talking, describing the heart attack and it cuts back to Brooks picking up that glob of food and sticking it back into his mouth. No, thank you. (laughs) Don't care for it. Gross. Unhinged. Yeah. Very unhinged. Um, And uh, on the father's side of things, um, he uh, has this uh, great opportunity to perform... What what is it, Nick? Uh, an MI on a horse or whatever? Oh no! So the ho- the horse had a heart attack. So he's gonna do what sounds like a cabbage, which is a, a coronary artery bypass graft. Um, okay. It sounds like that's what the plan is. I don't know that that's a thing that they do on horses. <laughs> um, it is a thing that they do on people. Um, yeah, I've, I've I never heard of it on a horse, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, I know in uh, the TV show Rick and Morty, the the mom does horse surgeries. I don't know if it's uh, bypass surgeries, but um, so I'm not sure how. Things about this scene. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah, you go on Nick. Oh no, I was just gonna say I'm not sure how things work in uh, like veterinary medicine um, with their surgeries, but. But at least in uh, human surgeries, the person doing the surgery would never also be in charge of the, the anesthesia. The anesthesia. 
Yeah. So um, I did. A, I did a quick Google on horse heart bypass surgery. <laughs> oh, and good, good. First of all, all of the results about whether it is safe for a person to go horseback riding after they have heart bypass surgery, which makes a little bit more sense. Um, although I did find an article that said from 2018 that the first cardiac ablation in a horse was successful. Oh. Um, so, but that that is a which I guess is a procedure to cure irregular heartbeats. Um, yeah, that's a little bit uh, easier than easier to do. <laughs> a, a bypass. I've I've scrubbed in on a few bypasses. They're long surgeries. Mm-hmm. They're like five six hours. They're a yeah. It's an intense surgery. There's there's no indication. Um, every one of these articles, aside from that one that talked about a different kind of heart surgery on a horse, every single article is about whether you can ride horses after you have bypass surgery. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think that's our answer. <laughs> One one of my favorite parts of the scene. I don't. I actually don't know if this happens at a surgery. So you're gonna have to tell me if this is a joke or not, Nick. But they just hand Charles Grodin this like miniature model of a see-through horse with all its. Oh organs. my god, that was so and funny. He, he just is like looking at it like all dumbfounded, and then he's like, oh, "Okay, do you is that like an actual thing you do in surgeries, or was that just Charles Grodin being done with a horse miniature?" Yeah, I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that made me laugh. That that's maybe what made me laugh the hardest was literally when they hand him like the little miniature horse. He's like, oh, "Okay." I would be very concerned if I saw a surgeon looking <laughs> looking at, at like the a miniature a little model of a person with like their organs. And uh, the, the the surgery, I would say, doesn't go optimally. To put it best, mistakes were uh, made. He ordered. He orders 2.5% of what, Nick? Do you uh, remember what it is? Halothane. It's a general anesthetic. I'm not that familiar with like the various anesthetic sure. drugs just because it's something that other people aren't using other than anesthesiologists. <laughs> For a good reason. Which, yeah, which I think this movie illustrates why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he orders two, like a 2.5% of the anesthesia to put the horse under. And then he's all sort of like freaking out because of like the cameras and the horse. And then he orders another order of 2.5% anesthesia. And everyone's like, you want 2.5%? He's like, yeah. You sure you want 2.5%? He's like, yeah. They do it. And they're like, okay, 5% anesthesia. He's like, oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh, oh no. And it's just groaning going back and forth between all these like, oh no's. He says, he says, he just calmly says, uh, don't panic, do something. And then the horse's lungs just collapse on oh, It dies. God. It dies real it fast. It dies so fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, it's so dark and depressing what just happened, but Charles Grodin being like dumbfounded, confused of what's going on makes it so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this is the scene that turned it round for you, Nick. Yep. What was your favorite part of this whole uh, scene? Oh, well, the line that Albert Brooks has about the uh, operation being done well ahead of schedule is just... <laughs> oh, like, yeah, that's right. That's, right. That's, that's incredible deadpan humor. Um, I think the whole movie is about uh, this thing called the Hawthorne effect, which is it's like a, a bias in which someone having knowledge that they're being observed alters their mm-hmm. response uh we'll get to one of those alterations <laughs> in a second <laughs> yeah and i th- i think this is the maybe not the funniest example but at least the most obvious like the most uh like clean and straightforward example it's just he did something was nervous because the cameras were on and then he he gave the dose again which 
you imagine he he never would have done and it's something so simple but you see how much uh, of a dramatic effect it has not just on the horse but on him like immediately after yeah um and i mean he he tries to talk brooks into not putting the mm-hmm. scene in his movie because he's like this would end my career yeah. brooks is like no this will be great plus press for you to see someone have to emotionally recognize oh, he's God. like no hey, yeah, yeah. and uh i i love this line he uh he says to grow which he says to air is human to, to film, film divide, divide. And Cody's just like, what? Uh, yeah, not not great. Um, so this goes into where like the entire family gets very very depressed. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this whole section is uh, Charles Grodin trying to light this grill, and he keeps on striking. Imagine it doesn't work, and while he's doing this, he just is wearing this apron that says, "I'm not doing anything. I'm the chef." Uh. Yeah, it's, like, a perfect example of, like, sort of 70s, 80s, like, kitsch of the, you Mm -hmm. know, like, yeah, I'm the chef, I'm grilling, and then, uh, and then just patheticness, like, and, again, I think it's what maybe Ebert struggled with, but his, his patheticness is so funny. (laughs) It really is. It reminds me a lot of, like, I think this must have had some sort of, if not direct, but indirect influence on, like, the British and American office comedy, mockumentary shows. yeah. Of just sort of like watching depressed people be so depraved yeah. that it's that it's funny. I, I'm also someone who never made it through the British office. Like I, I it's, couldn't, it's I couldn't. Like when when it first became sort of like popular over here, and it was back when I got like Netflix discs, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this show that everyone said is so good. And I think I watched two episodes, and I was like, I'm gonna send this back. This is not for me. <laughs> Can't do it. So, but yeah, it's, it's very it's similar. It's a nasty vibe. show. Ugh. I, I think if this was like a show, it would get a little too much mm. uh, in it, like a few episodes in. But as it stands as a movie, it's like the perfect, like ninety minutes, and then it's over. Yeah, <laughs> then you can breathe. You're <laughs> ready for it. Yeah. Um, during this whole time, um, Albert Brooks is trying to convince these psychologists that you know everything's working. Mm-hmm. The one person he has a disagreement with is. A psychiatrist, psychiatrist named Ted Cleary, who is played by Jay Preston, and if you recognize him, he's also in a movie we did a few months ago called Body Heat. Yeah, and he's also the judge in A Few Good Men. That, um, that's what Judge in A Few Good Men was. My go-to. yeah, that's the first thing I thought yeah. of when I saw him. But I was like, oh yeah, he was a guy. He was like the the like police friend of. Uh, oh, oh, William yeah, Hurt, yeah, yeah. He, he was like one of his partners or something. He's, I think. He's, he's the friend who's not Jeff Goldblum or whoever the other friend is in Body Heat. <laughs> Can't even remember. Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Sorry, Ted Danson. Yeah, uh, great movies. A supporting actor award winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Danson. And sure, that's true. That's a good point. Ted Danson spelled D-A-N-C-I-N. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Ted Danson. Forgot about Ted Danson. Uh, Ted Danson. Danson. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what I love the scene where um, Brooks is like arguing with uh, this guy about how sane what he's doing, mm-hmm. at, or how sane this whole experiment that he's doing is, and he chalks up the reason why this uh, guy's angry about it is because he's a black man in Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this great line where uh, Jay Preston says to Albert Brooks, Albert. I don't think there is. I've ever met a white man so uncomfortable around a black person. 
And I, I could just imagine Albert Brooks writing this line to give to a black person about to say himself. about himself. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the part where it gets a little tense, and then uh, Preston just goes booty booty boo. Scares the shit out of Brooks. And he's like, I find that offensive. Good lord. He's he's he said, he's really funny in this movie. The the way his plot line wraps up oh my in, God. The, in the like the title card Jesus. made me laugh so hard. That title card is like again so. Di- by the time you get to the end, and I'm just like, this is so intense. Like it's so brutal at the end. Oh, it really is. There's also this great line that Brooks says um, as uh, Ted Cleary is like walking away. Um, and he just said, Albert Brooks says, I'm not black and I've never claimed to be. Oh. Which is just one of the funniest quotes uh. for me in this movie. Um, yeah, and and basically there's this like meeting where these psychologists are sort of going over like what is happening. And one of the things is like uh, Charles Grodin has changed his mannerisms because instead of picking the cup up, his cups up with just one hand he's picking up with both hands and um they want to run like pee samples on them to see what their if what their like molecular levels have changed and um that's like one side of this hysteria that's going on with brooks's experiment but the other side is this uh like movie producer that gave them the money uh to do this thing and he just keeps on yelling like they won't come to pay to see this movie. They want Paul Newman. Where's Redford? Where's Nicholson? They want Nicholson to be holding that cup of coffee. So that was my actual favorite exchange in the movie is the part about the I movie so stars too. with the producer. <laughs> yeah, when he's like, where's Paul Newman? They want Nicholson. I, li- I was like, oh, God. I like when they get up to leave and he just says, Albert, I'm going to leave you two words. James Kahn. Oh, is that normal enough for you? Oh, my God. I laughed so much at that. <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 one of my favorite parts of this movie. Just this like speaker box that is like playing a call from a producer all the way in California that can't be bothered to come and sit in on this. Mm-hmm. Just like yelling like, "Where's the movie stars?" Great. And it was uh, the guy who played that role is uh, Jennings Lang, mm-hmm. who was a movie producer. Oh, he, he is the producer. Oh, nice. So he produced. Um, Slaughterhouse Five. He produced uh, Earthquake. Oh wow! Let's see what else. Not a lot of stuff. That uh, the front page. They might be giants. The movie, not the band. Uh, play Misty like, for. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, play Misty Ooh. for me. So he's he's got some uh, notable movies. Mm-hmm. He's a producer. Yeah. Um. Uh, but at this point, um, Brooks decides to give the family his, like, really, really expensive flat screen TV. Oh, and suddenly they become super happy. <laughs> it's just it's one of the funniest things. Is he starts, like, giving them all this shit, like, this TV. And he's like, hey, if you open up for me, I'll give you season tickets. And then suddenly they're just like the happiest family now that they're like getting this stuff and like mm-hmm. Brooks just starts paying them off to be happy and like him um and so this is when he says this great line um uh where is it 
is it I'm not D.W. Griffith? I'm going to get in trouble if there's no dialogue. Because <laughs> that, that would make me laugh. That was a great oh, line, too. God. No, but it's the one where he says, uh, I had a happy family, a beautiful city, and a chance to show the French what a montage was all about. Yeah, that's and, uh, that was my favorite part. What? So th- there was a few of my favorite things that I wrote down that they're doing in this montage. Uh, one of them is the child throws like this chunk of bread to these turtles, <laughs> and it's like an extra slow mo. But it, they don't cut it when like the bread kind of goes into the enclosure, no. and it just stays on them for another fifteen seconds of just slow mo. The nothing, turtles not moving. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, where's the cut? I, I liked the turtles not moving. I liked the shot of the family looking at the giraffes, but it's fr- like the, the giraffes are tall, so it's framed, so you just can't even see them. It's just like their necks there in the background. Oh, that was a good shot, too. Uh, I liked the part where it cuts to Francis Lee McCain on the bike, and there's just... Oh, you this, see the, the guy with the Ettenauer. The Ettenauer the, the, the camera just doing like, uh, what is it called, where there's two people on a, a bike? Tandem a tandem bicycle. bike. Yeah, he's just like tandem pedaling yeah. behind her. It's a good image. Um, there's uh, this one where it's just it's there in like a bowling alley, and this like bowling ball comes up the ramp up to Charles Grodin, and he like just slow mo like misses the ball, and it's like Charles Grodin. <laughs> they also are going down this water slide at one point wearing day forty one shirts. Oh yep, I like that too. I, I like that because it's also like they've only been doing this a month. <laughs> no, that that is when it gets towards that part, as uh, the towards the very end there. And you're like checking your watch, and you're like, well, and it's like, huh. and you see the day forty one shirts, and I think of this the latest it gets like day fifty two. I can't remember exactly what the last date we see on the screen there. is, but yeah, it's like how out of control things have gotten when you're like, this actually isn't that long, like in the grand scheme of things, like everyone's <laughs> lives have just totally devolved in this time. Well, and I'd, how, do you know how how many other movies have you guys seen that are written and directed by Albert Brooks? I don't think any others. I don't, yeah, I don't think any. I'll, I, I'm probably going to pick up Defending Your Life uh, during the next Criterion uh-huh. sale, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it. I have only seen his next two movies, which are Modern Romance and Lost in America, so I don't know if this trend sort of continues, but um, not to like spoil all his other movies too much, but... It's kind of like this movie where he sets out a sort of like journey or idea that he's going to do. And instead of like it going crazy and you get to see everything that's going to happen, it just fails immediately and then never goes anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Because like you're you're expecting, like even the poster, it shows them like doing like a Thanksgiving sort of thing Mm -hmm. and they don't even make it to March. Yeah. Because basically, so basically at this point, um, after, so they're really happy, but then uh, Cleary, uh, the J.A. Preston character, decides to release this like tell-all book about what's going on instead of actually publishing a scientific paper, <laughs> which I think is another interesting skewering of sort of like American media and um, you know the the self-sustaining lifestyles of the people rather than any sort of like scientific basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so then they become very famous and. Basically, no, no, not just like these camera crews are following them around, but news crews. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite parts of this, though, is when the first news crew kind of tries to almost break into their house because yeah. they don't know what's going on. They call Brooks, mm-hmm. 
and he like freaks out. There's this slow mo shot of him running across the street, like trying to hold this bathrobe together. Oh, God. <laughs> it's an incredible image. Um, but yeah, this slowly devolves into sort of ruining the experiment and ruining the people's lives again. Um, and so we get to this like emergency meeting that they set up. Um, and, uh, there's, this is, this, this is like the final 20 minutes of this movie is just the best. Uh, one of the first lines that they have set up this meeting is, uh, the producer considered this meeting so important enough. He decided to call from Catalina interrupting the first vacation he, <laughs> he had, had in a week. week. That was good. <laughs> um, and, uh, he's just like trying to tell them cause they want to, they basically want to shut the project down at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, between, this ruining the family's lives and uh, the producer being like, this is not going to make any money Albert, at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Albert's, you know, it comes as a shock to him that maybe the family also <laughs> doesn't want to continue this. Like maybe they agree that it's time to pull the plug. Well, no, I, I, I like that. He's like trying to convince them that like, if you, if you stop this, the family's going to be right. devastated or something. Yeah. And he says this great line where he's like, I'm in show business. I'm used to having my commitments be dumped on, but these are ordinary people with ordinary feelings. And almost immediately they arrive at the doorstep and are just like, Albert, we can't do this. Yeah, yeah we're done. <laughs> And he turns from, like, this desperation to, like, literally groveling at their feet. Mm-hmm. Or he, he starts, like, they start trying to explain, like, why they're going to stop. And he's like, Albert, the kids are afraid to go to school. And he's like, that's normal. Trust me. And he, he's like, then he starts, like, trying to say, like, oh, I'll pay you more money if you just finish the project. Like, you know Lisa wants braces? <laughs> like, he's like, those incisors, they go right down to her waist. And so he's like, you want a boat? We'll get you a boat. And it's just like, Albert, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, he literally starts groveling at their feet. And he says this incredible line, which I sent to Chana <laughs> last night, where he's groveling at their feet. He just says, let's just think about me for one <laughs> second here. Oh, God. Am I just going to be sitting alone in LA? No, I want to be here. And it's like, this whole experiment, you start realizing this whole experiment was literally just his way to pay people to be his friend. Because yeah. he's that lonely and that pathetic. Um, I really don't know why you would ever write this part for yourself, but... He's a weird dude. It works. Yeah. Um, and he's funny in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he he basically goes on to a full mental breakdown. He's in this uh, in, in, in the family's bathroom at this point changing into a clown costume like the clown he is because he needs to go perform at a children's hospital. Um, And he's just ranting this entire time to this cameraman about everything that's going on. Uh, One of my favorite lights, he's like, he starts like trying to calm down. He's like, so it ended eight months early. That's like an abortion. (laughs) Oh no, it's an abortion. I'm an abortion. (laughs) (laughs) And so then he comes up with this great, he's like, I can't get this great ending of like new year's Mm -hmm. Eve. Like, start of a new to end the movie he's like we can we, we can start real and then end fake which feels mm-hmm. incredibly prescient for a lot of reality sure. television shows nowadays um so he thinks like okay what's the biggest movie star wars <laughs> which is funny because star wars came out like only a year sure. yeah just this. a couple years before so that. it would have been like the new phenomenon like yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so he's like how do they like- end star wars <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the first two movies he brings up are Star Wars and Jaws, both of which are 70s movies from 
Yeah. I, I think what is ago. Jaws is 70... 76. Okay. And then no, no, Jaws is 75. So. Yeah, it would it would be like now if if they were making the movie now and the reference was to like Avengers Endgame or yeah, yeah, or Get Out or something <laughs> where it was like what's a movie with a big ending like, yeah. What I love about the scene is he keeps on trying to say the endings of these movies, and he kind of gets it wrong every yeah. time. Like the Star Wars one, he's like, they blew up a planet. And it's like... A planet. <laughs> no. But then he's like, oh, we could do that? How did they do that? And then he's like, oh, we can't do that. And then he's like, Jaws, there was a fish. There was a gigantic fish at the zoo. <laughs> and they would, like, pretend like the uh... family was about to get eaten by the gigantic fish at the zoo. And the cameraman is literally just, like, checking his watch at this point, just like... I, I can't handle this. And then he goes, Gone with the Wind. And uh, what, what's the ending of Gone with the Wind? It's literally the most famous ending of all time. Mm-hmm. And he, he also doesn't mention that, like, he says that Star Wars ends with an explosion. Jaws also ends with an explosion. Mm-hmm. It does, <laughs> yes. indeed. Yes, but um, at, at the end of Gone with the Wind, um, there's this, like, massive confrontation and mm-hmm. someone leaves. But uh, he doesn't think of that part. He decides, <laughs> no, they burned down the city of Atlanta. <laughs> I just love the way he turns from, like, trying to tell this cameraman about how great Gone with the Wind. He's like, they only burned down the city of Atlanta. A gigantic fire. I mean. Uh... <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> and he just starts, like, maniacally yeah. laughing. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and uh, this whole time, the family's filling out this like end of experiment questionnaire and they're like something burning he's like yeah he's like is the coffee burning is something is, burning? is somebody making toast oh, like... making toast yeah and uh charles Grodin walks into the kitchen where albert brooks in a clown costume is gleefully literally lighting everything in the house on fire with like one of those little plastic torches you put in, out, outside of your house for like events and stuff um and it's playing, like, blaring the Gone with the Wind theme. <laughs> this is my favorite movie ending of all time. There's one part where he, like, he, like, is, like, burning the house down. And he shoves the psychologist that's calling him crazy. He's like, was David O. Selznick crazy? It's like, yes! yes! Actually. <laughs> God damn it. And uh, at one point, like, the cameraman seems to, like, fall down and roll his ankle, like, trying to escape in the house. And Brooks just, like, is picks him up by his arms. He's like, this is so exciting. This is so much better than a big fish. Which, yeah. um, sure. Um, yeah, and this whole ending, uh, he's, I, I, it's just so good. He's just screaming with joy. Uh, <laughs> like look at it it's humor pathos tragedy and it's real and it's not because he just forcibly burned down someone's house without their so dark it's so dark (laughs) it is but it's also kind of thrilling like i'm just smiling the whole time but at the same time like he just committed grand arson (laughs) yeah well they got a tennis Uh, court out of it yeah and north (laughs) north south tennis court which is very important the the uh, little had tag. There, had and there again, been the a reference movie... to a tennis court earlier in the movie that I missed, or because I wasn't like, I'm like, is that a callback? Because no, the way that like, no. they get a north south tennis court, and I'm like, okay, like that's great. Do they play tennis? Do they play tennis? And also, like, I just love that this 
The specificity. Also, we saw in the backyard. I don't know if that could fit I, like a regulation I tennis. Not court. at all. It's funny. I'm like, where? <laughs> but but no, see, the, the ending. <laughs> and it's not a small backyard. The, like it, it's a the, nice backyard, but the it's just ending. The tennis no, court. The, the, the whole. I mean, I think that entire ending um, crawl is, is not supposed to be taken in any literal sense, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. <laughs> And they're like Ted Cleary's book didn't sell, and he went into like. And now, or now, no, no, it's like he now he's like dying of a mysterious a illness. <laughs> they, it's like Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the other two Albert Brooks movies I've seen, he sort of ends these movies on these like little credit rolls, mm. like explaining what happened after the movie. They work every time, <laughs> but I think this is the best one. Um. I did call the number that uh, they put. <laughs> On, oh, it's a five 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 number, isn't number it? right? So it doesn't go anywhere. Nope, it Where'd went it somewhere. Go? Someone... I literally don't know, but it like was like this qual- call will be checked for quality assurance. <laughs> if you're over the age of fifty five, please press oh, one. God. If not, stay on the line. And at that point, I was like, Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go through with this experiment that I expected. Just to be like the number can be called as dialed. Apparently, you can. So five 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 is typically like a the fake information or, yeah but it? otherwise it's information if you do dial 800-555 that was like a information line um although now it looks like it's just like numbers that get uh you know spoofed and for like spam calls and things yeah alas so uh i hope i don't get like robocalled by whatever that <laughs> you're, you're on their is. list now <laughs> a thousand oh god um yeah so that's real life um did you guys? What, what did you guys think overall? Uh, we should do some thumbs up, thumbs down. I, I, thumbs up, Jana. It was a thumbs up for me in the end. Yeah, thumbs up for me. All right. Um, and out of four stars, I would give it four because this is like my favorite movie. Jana, I'm a, I'm a soft three, maybe two and a half to three. <sighs> um, again, more more admire it than um, had a good time watching it. It's just, ugh. It's, it's dark super movie. dark and shouty and um, <laughs> like so that that I, I would be curious, kind of like Ebert, um, I would be curious to revisit it. Like now after sort of having a better sense of what its tone is and what it's going for, mm-hmm. I think I might enjoy it more knowing it what I'm getting into. Yeah, as opposed to just being like, what is happening? Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'll, I'll give it three. I, I did appreciate what he was doing. Yeah, I'll go three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> good for you um did you guys have any quotes from the thing that you wanted to shout out the, the ebert review <laughs> about it besides the Grodin thing i forgot i looked at it and i'm not sure if there was anything that really jumped out at me the Grodin part that, was the one that stuck yeah. out to me the most of- yeah and i just think most of the stuff he says is wrong that it's like they use the same joke over and over again and it's like they don't really in my opinion yeah like it seems like the com and in the video of Gene Siskel and Ebert talking about this movie, Siskel argues kind of what I was saying is like, well, for one, most comedies sort of have a joke right. that they're doing most right. of the movie. And two, the whole point of this thing is it just builds up to be more crazy and crazy and crazy. So it's like, if the joke is at least sort of changing in that mm-hmm. way, and like, it, it doesn't really repeat. Right. No, I think more like, I like I said, I, I can kind of see what Ebert's problems with it were. I don't really think he maybe did a good job of explaining 
explaining it or maybe I just don't agree with sort of what his explanation was. But like, no, it's it's exhausting. At least like for me by the end. It like, And I exhausting. think that's maybe what he was trying to get at. And it's not that it's just repeating the same joke over and over, but it is purposefully like these things they build and they build and they build. And so that by the end, you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, But again, I think that's on purpose. I don't think it's like repetitive or bad joke writing. I think it's just, yeah, like you said, the situation is just building on itself. And so, of course, all the jokes are going to be about, you know, Albert Brooks's craziness and the reality TV <laughs> setup and all of that. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, that'll be our discussion on uh, well, um Hold on. Can we, while we're doing our transition, I'm going to go refill my coffee and then I'll be right back for part two. Right. Give me 30 seconds. And then we go okay. to the bathroom. <laughs> thought about doing a bit while you guys were gone but i couldn't think of anything funny <laughs> couldn't think of anything to do no leave little messages for dylan when he's editing later hi dylan yeah no i felt like that would have been weird oh i do it all the time <laughs> when it's just me here i'm just like hello you'll hear this later well i so I, I pulled up I, I have like my my itunes library on my phone and i was like I'm going to just like pull up a clip from a movie and just like start playing part of a movie. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to do this one. I'll come up with something better. And then I scrolled through and then. Too late. You guys are back. Too so, yeah. late. Hmm. My coffee is still hot. So that was exciting. All right. And we're back. We uh, just are coming back from our commercial break <laughs> from our sponsors, our multiple sponsors, by the way. Indeed. I hope everyone enjoyed the Pizza Hut ad. Nobody. No one out and, I, and I mean fucking nobody. <laughs> we need to get sponsored by Pizza Hut just so Nick can uh, rec- really? record this like crazy like uh, dog dick and cappuccino <laughs> or like Robert De Niro and Goodfellas. <laughs> fucking nobody, nobody out motherfuckers. <laughs> Wow. No, I really do appreciate just like the dead inside, like nobody on, nobody on pizzas. <laughs> not, not to, to <laughs> the, 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 the only one, the only. Who calls it the hut? I wish I could remember the act, the other ad read oh, God, that they did on Big Picture. I think it was for like Heineken, and I was like, yes. and it was like the uh, second most dead inside to nobody out pizzas. The hut. It was like, enjoy your Heineken, and I'm like, you don't drink that. <laughs> like, wasn't it like? Give give your family Heineken for Christmas. I think it it's was like, something along those lines, like the holiday oh gift. Don't, don't do that. Don't give me. Don't give me this for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, don't get out don't of here. Don't show up with like mediocre beer for Christmas, please. Uh, sorry. Now now Heineken. Well, get I know Heineken now Heineken now. won't sponsor us. Oh no. Damn. It's fine. They've got Frank Booth's uh, sponsorship from Blue Velvet. <laughs> Does Dennis Hopper do Heine- Did yeah. Dennis Hopper do Heineken ads, or is there a Heineken like plot point in Blue Velvet? <laughs> There's a oh have you not no, seen? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, oh no, wait, I was wrong. It's uh Kyle MacLachlan wants to drink Heineken. Oh, okay. And, and then oh, I'm on I'm on Frank Booth's side here. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Blue Bella, but even I know that's not a good sign. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the line is Heineken. Fuck that shit. Paps Blue Ribbon. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, Pabst Blue Ribbon, you can sponsor us. Sure. 
All right, we're going to move on to some Paper Plate Awards. Um, I do believe I go first with Double Indemnity. Um, my Paper Plate for Double Indemnity Award is the worst way to break up with a per- with someone award, which is murder. Because that happens twice in that movie. Sure, yeah. Look. Not, not, not It's a lady great. with a plan, okay? Um, yeah, and, and then, you know, Fred McMurray... Uh, kills her to uh and that's true everybody is uh (laughs) taking that way out everyone's like i'm not i'm not digging with this relationship anymore i'll just uh i'll kill them that's what i'll do she was gonna have him killed too it's a whole yeah i know killing thing (laughs) i i get the in in the construct of the movie (laughs) but i needed something for the paper plate damn it all right uh who's next uh probably me was dracula next hold on let me look at my chart I'm organized. Yes. Yeah, you're gonna have to go with the. Yeah, I have it in front of me. I have it. So, um, okay. So yeah, Dracula. Um, as we discussed, I think before we were totally before we were recording at some point during one of our (laughs) recordings. Um, no. So my my uh, paper plate award for Dracula is it is the um, uh, special award for being the first movie that we found so uninspiring that we picked two other movies to spend more time talking about <laughs> instead. It's probably... Yeah, probably, it was the first movie we all three of us went all, Yeah, that's on. true. Yeah. You know, and it's... I don't need to get, it might be the only movie that we all go thumbs I, down probably. on. Probably. Like, and what's so time. funny is it's not like it's, like, awful. It's not, like, it's offensive. Not it's terrible. not terrible. None of us actively hated it. All of us were just kind of like, it's just, not really. It's just real boring. It's just really boring and... <laughs> such a strange inclusion considering that fact like <laughs> yeah it's the nobody out pizzas the hut of, <laughs> of like dracula movies in particular like hence, hence why we talked about two other better dracula movies uh on that episode so yep yeah. indeed all right who's uh, next? nick with dr strangelove the best multi-role performance and that is Ab- Peter Sellers as Captain Mantrake, Abs- President Merkin Muffley, and the titular Doctor Strangelove. Absolutely, it's titular. Absolutely. Um, also, should win the award for best fluids. So. <laughs> for best fluids, yeah. it's not. It's not share his fluids. All right, and it's now me for mm-hmm. duck soup. Correct? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, uh, I didn't know what to do for Duck Soup. Everything's so weird that I could give a, a, an award to it. So uh, I'm going to do a two-way tie. I'm going to do Strangest Bed Companion Award and Best Living Tattoo Award. Oh, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Uh, strangest Bed Companion the for the horse that sleeps with a, with a Harpo. And uh, Grout, Harp, again, Harpo's... Uh, tattoo of a doghouse where a living dog comes out of it so. i do i do think the the cut to the horse in the bed is maybe the thing that i laughed the most at in that movie <laughs> i i did get a real kick out of that it's yeah. pretty good and for me so for et um so many so many directions to go for et um i kind of wanted to go um with most meta moment for the all the Yoda references and like the little Yoda that goes walking by, and then also has um, most historically significant product placement for M and M's turning down being included in the movie and going yep. to Reese's Pieces instead, which basically uh, put Reese's Pieces on the map as a candy that people actually ate. 
um, even though that they're not good. But you know, good good for them. <laughs> uh huh. All right. Who's next? Yeah. Neutral, right? We got back to back Nick yeah. episodes. I'm going best opening scene, and it's the party entering the house, but not the first time, the second time <laughs> they enter. That's that's really, you're right. That's really the superior uh, entrance. Yeah, that's some good stuff. The first time they enter, like, that's fine, right. it's people walking into a house. The second time, yeah. Really sells it. They're doing it again. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's where they get me. And then I'll throw it to myself for the next one, which is Fargo. And I'm going with the best plea for medical attention. And it's Peter Stormare after the kidnapping. And I think he gets bit on the finger. Um, he just starts starts mumbling the word unguent. Unguent. He does. And uh, I, I love that quite a bit. Oh, God. It's real good. It's extremely unguent. good. All right. Uh, Dylan and Floating Weeds. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing a two-parter here, but for a single award, uh, I'm going to go best cameos, mm-hmm. plural. Uh, I'm going to give one paper plate to Chishi Ryu for his one-scene sure. performance, and Toyoko Takahashi for her two-scene performance as uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. That's very good, yes. Uh, That's a great that bit. That is a great bit. Just doing that with the razor. Ah. <laughs> Like when we we don't see that scene how it ends up and just seeing the dude again with the, the bandage, bandage on him. Face. It's so it's good. A great moment. Hmm. Oh, right. good shit. Last, last is Gates of Heaven. Is... Um, so many, so many great moments to you know choose from and and elements to choose from in Gates of Heaven. I'm just gonna go with what I'll call the most what-the-fuck scene, which is uh, our interstitial with Florence Rasmussen <laughs> in the middle of the movie where she tells us about... Oh, oh, oh. No, the, the middle... Her kid. Her kid, yeah. who's maybe not her kid, who's maybe her grandkid, who she bought him a car. <laughs> oh, just when I think about that movie and I just think about that that moment and she just, she just talks to us from her front porch about her life and kind of not at all about pet cemeteries. Um, what a... What a what a picture. She's feeling it. She's she is feeling it. it. What a picture. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're going to go on to the Nick list corner now. Nick, did you prepare any lists for us? I have a few. A few. Wow. I've got a handful. A handful. Uh, best movie with multiple addresses directly to the camera. And second place is Gates of Heaven, but first place is Floating Weeds, of course. <laughs> <laughs> True. Fair enough. Very different. <laughs> Uh, direct cameras, but yeah. Best movie where an out-of-towner changes the lives of the people he encounters? Dracula did this. I think Floating Weeds did it a little better. Mm-hmm. I think E.T. does it really well, but really nobody <laughs> had the most effect on the people whose lives they encounter went from being out of town uh, than Fargo. True. Very true. true. Yeah. Best cop. What is an a- meeting an alien when you could murder and kidnap uh, family People from, members? Yeah. Best comedy about the corrupt ineptitude of the government during wartime. And I'm going to go with Duck Soup being beaten out by Dr. Strangelove. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, the grossest means of disposing of dead bodies. <laughs> the rendering plant in Gates of Heaven is pretty bad. But even that is no match for the, the wood, wood chipper. chipper. Two. Two great yeah. options, really. 
That's what they do at funeral homes. They ask you, do you want to be made into glue or did you want <laughs> the to be wood put chipper. through a wood yeah. chipper? <sighs> and finally, best movie scam that goes awry and leads to the death of multiple people. Double Indemnity did this quite well. But again, Fargo. Fargo. Tough to tough to beat yeah. out. Fargo. Absolutely. True. Awesome. Uh, so now we're going to move on to best scene award. The, the officially called that cinema award play the play the, play the, the jingle jam. yeah I, I think of this as most cinematic moment so not necessarily just like the best scene but like i don't know something most yeah. most memorable most evocative of the film i don't know yeah uh so we're gonna start with you. double me? indemnity yeah there's actually quite a lot of things I could pick for this, but I think I went with the moment that I just emotionally had the biggest reaction to, which is when the car couldn't start when they after they had murdered mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And there's just this like pause of like, oh shit, and that's just per- perfect '40s thriller suspense feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's me. Yeah. So for Dracula, um, as we discussed, <laughs> not the most memorable movie. But what is very memorable to me, at least, is the opening scene with Renfield uh, in the carriage, and then sort of we realize that Dracula is driving the carriage, and then he looks out, and the carriage is just being pulled by the bat. Um, that, <laughs> that moment to me is is the most memorable thing that happens in the whole movie, um, and has a has a fun spooky vibe, I think. Spooky. David Pumpkins. <laughs> I wish. Now that would have improved uh, Dracula if David Pumpkin showed up. And there's David uh, S. Pumpkin. Uh, If only. All right. Who's next? Uh, Nick? Dr. This one, there was, uh, I I had so many to choose from, but really it's it's tough to top Mind Fuhrer I Can Walk. (laughs) Indeed. I I sort of had to go with a a Dr. Strangelove scene. Mm Mm-hmm. For this movie, I felt I felt yeah. compelled as as he's my uh, my cipher when we defined all of our personalities by uh, Peter Sellers. Yes, characters in this only, in only this movie. Respect I am for the, my Doctor Strange love, who's the president. I I, I do unfortunately have uh, uh, fascist Doctor Strange love vibes. Apparently, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and vibes only, not politically. Uh, where are vibes we going only. Next? Uh, back to Dylan for Duck Soup. Yeah, I th- this was pretty obvious for me. There's definitely a peak scene in this movie, and it's when uh, Groucho calls for help, um, and basically the entire world comes to save Fredonia mm-hmm. from uh, marathon runners <laughs> to uh, rowers to monkeys and elephants. Oh, it's, everyone's coming to help Fredonia. It's uh, it's a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad you it? picked that. I'm glad you picked that, and thank God you didn't pick that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hail, hail, free! Oh, God. I'm not gonna do it. All right, me, ET. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so many, obviously. Um, so, so, so many options in ET, but I really had no choice but to go with the um, the the moment during the final climactic chase sequence. When all the bikes take off into the air and the score kicks in and they're flying through the air, that is uh, my most cinematic moment from E.T. Mm-hmm. It's pure cinema. It is. <laughs> the movies. <laughs> the movies. We love them. We do. We do? We do. Nick, Exterminating Angel. Oh, it's me. Oh, fuck. Uh, I've got two in a row. Where are my notes? 
I was scrolling around. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you just you were just distracted by how much you love the movies. It happens to all of us. The movies. The movies. They overwhelm me. Uh, <laughs> for the exterminating angel, you know, I have one thing written down. I, I have the hand scene written down, but I'm actually going to go with them axing the the wall to get the water. Oh yeah. Because there, there's something like almost religiously profound about it in like a goofy look at these look at these dumb assholes mm-hmm. way that I find really funny. Yeah. It's good. It's real good. And then for Fargo, I'm going with the dialogue scene, and it's Marge interviewing the prostitutes because almost every sentence is hilarious in that scene. Oh, I, I love that. I love that scene so much. Like so much. It's weird looking. Oh god, they're so good. They are. Go Bears. I can't believe you. Go Bears. (laughs) I can't believe you didn't go with the, the. The, the stamp scene, the best scene. The stamp scene? Oh, oh, like yeah. at the end? Yeah. Oh, that's good too. I mean, there's there's so many good scenes. It's just the, kind of the, like yeah, that's the thing with Fargo, right? Uh, yeah, here. yeah. Like that's that's the nice sweet scene. Uh, the scene that I picked is like the goofy mm-hmm. scene. You, you can also go like where they get pulled over by the cop, and that scene's like terrifying. terrifying. So on on the goofy tip, I I like the basically the entire kidnapping sequence. So like and when the yeah. wife comes running out in the shower curtain and falls down the stairs. And falls on the stairs. <laughs> yeah, there's too many good moments. I didn't get- uh, floating weeds. Me. Yeah, uh, floating weeds. Floating weeds. Um, you know, uh, Ozu doesn't really have big scenes. Yeah. Uh, where I can pick like that's cinema, but uh, he has one specific shot in this movie that I think is quite possibly his best shot of all time, and it's when um, the theater runner, the guy that uh, runs the theater, and his mistress are at adjoining houses looking across a street from each other while it's raining and there's this like red umbrella mm-hmm. in between them in between the frames and the frames of these mm-hmm. uh, poles between them and it's that's the best composition i've just about ever seen mm-hmm. um that that's that was like the oh my god that's movies sort of uh moment for me um yeah and then it it turned out heaven so again lots of lots of good moments lots of good scenes um but of course i i didn't feel i had much of a choice but to go with um at the end danny the the son of the second uh funeral home owner um playing his guitar for the the animals in the fields and just digging his music (laughs) and and sharing it with all of the the pets in their final resting place it's uh very beautiful i think good stuff that scene had some vibes real vibes big vibes um all right one more corner before we get to our actual words and that is going to be fashion corner Mm -hmm. um i am starting and i think that's a good thing because i have by far the most obvious fashion corner and this is in a movie with tons of good fashion but the one for the movie is the anklet that barbara stamick wears when she comes down the stairs that's Gotta do it. The whole like that whole that whole first scene introducing Barb Stanley built around it. So. Yeah, I, I also would put in a vote for for the sunglasses that they wear. I, that was my second they, place. They have their their meeting and wearing the sunglasses. Um, but yeah, they can't. The white room sunglasses. Exactly. But uh, no, the anklets are iconic. Mm-hmm. Oh, so All right. yeah. I mean, for for Dracula, I'm just going with Dracula's whole deal. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> he's he's, a, he's got a sharp he's a, he's got a sharp you know suit tuck situation a little cape going on like you know it's we all we all know what dracula looks like and 
don't know. He's, he's pulling off. Bella Lugosi looks. None of my problems with Dracula have to do with Bella Lugosi, particularly. He looks great as Dracula. So, uh, you know, Dracula's cape, his whole his whole deal. Um, it's iconic. It's iconic fashion. I like if we had like a Wikipedia page and it was like we could like it would like be written down in years would be uh, Dracula's whole deal. deal. So I stand by it. Ooh, we had some good strange love options uh, too. Seriously. Yeah, strange love was tough. I ended up going with uh, another strange love himself pick and it's just his sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was good. I was thinking his glove. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean his his whole deal also yes, is uh, it's true. <laughs> pretty iconic. I just like the sunglasses, especially uh, they're inside and, it's, yeah, and they're and in like a dark bunker. No <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's a good call. What about? All right. And set me. No. Uh, yes. Sorry. Yes. It's you, Duck Soup. Okay. Um, I couldn't really think of one for this one, <laughs> honestly. Um, if I had to pick a, a Duck Soup specific one, it's maybe the hat that Harpo wears that when it gets shot, it spins around on his head. That's pretty good. Um, but I think overall, it's just got to be Groucho Marx's mustache. It's, even though that's like sure. every movie, it's just such an Absolutely. iconic piece of like look that it's it's hard to pass. Yeah, up. I don't think you have any other choice. Um, and mm-hmm. and and similarly for ET, um, not not a ton of uh, sort of decisions to be made here. Obviously, it's it's Elliot's red hoodie, um, one of the most iconic clothing items I think in. In all of recent movie history, recent movie history, um, but yeah, the the red hoodie, Elliot rocks it, ET rocks it. It's a good look. Yep. Exterminating Angel was a tough one. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. remember their outfits so, at all, to be honest. Yeah, they're wearing like suits and fancy dresses, but I'm gonna go with a bandana, and it's the bandana they put over the sheep's eyes before they slaughter. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Uh, I guess that's clothing, sure. technically. That's a great call. Absolutely. I like it. Inspired choice, Nick. Yeah. And then for Fargo, I'm going with William H. Macy's big giant winter coat that has like the, the floppy ear Of course, flaps. yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of great winter fashion in that okay. one. Yeah. yeah. A lot of great yeah. summer fashion in my pick. Yeah. Um, I actually just realized I have this blank right now ah. because I was just like, <laughs> um, I, I don't want to just cop out and say, like, everyone, but... I mean... Maybe Machiko Kiyos, maybe her, like, white and black kimono is, like, maybe the first thing I would think of. Um, but they all are just wearing such, like, nice, calm, plain kimonos that are just really pretty and simplistic. And that's... Mm-hmm. Fits, fits the style, I would yeah. say, of an Ozu movie. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I think I think I'm going to go with Machiko Kiyos specifically. That's a good call. Um, and so and me uh, for yeah. Gates of Heaven. For oh, man. I mean, can, speaking of, can I just pick everybody? Like, every look <laughs> in this movie is iconic. Uh, we talked about it when we talked about the movie, especially because, like, they don't really tell you anybody's name. So I just kept writing people down based on their various outfits. Mm. Um, we already did shout out um, Florence Rasmussen and her amazing sort of, like, yeah. pink apron housecoat situation. Um, I did like the one 
woman who is like extremely serious about her poor beloved dead dog and she who doesn't like the other lady she has like this amazing sort of green ensemble with like a little matching neckerchief with um her pants Mm -hmm. um and then i also just like the look of the the one couple on who are featured on the poster actually in front of all the like cactus or the woman's wearing like a bright orange tank top and then the dude just has these huge sunglasses um and polo shirt and it's just Okay, Speaking you have to pick one item of clothing. I can't give you... <laughs> you already did Dracula. I did, I, I know. I, there's so many good looks in this movie. Um, I know. Um, 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 all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with um, the, the lady who was really mad about the um, animals being disinterred <laughs> and her jaunty green neckerchief. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, there's, good just, there's too many good picks. All right. So moving on to our actual season finale awards, we're going to start sure. off this with best script. Um, I have three nominations. Uh, how many did you guys have? Um, I me, I have one, two, three, four. <laughs> That's half the movie. Well, uh, you know what? There are some good ones. No, I mean, they're all I, I good. Think, dare I say, I think they're Yes, uh, some would even call them great. Um, I have three, I guess. Okay. I, have fi- I have five. You know what? <laughs> Jana, look what you did. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's see where we overlap. Yeah, I'd say, Nick, uh, you read yours out and we'll see. Yeah. Where we, if it encompasses mine, we'll yeah. Overlap. Strange Love? Mm-hmm. Fargo? Mm-hmm. Okay. Double Indemnity? Those are my three. And Floating okay. Weeds is uh, my other one. Oh, okay. Uh, I have one that you didn't have then. I, I had Fargo, Double Indemnity, and Exterminating Angel. Oh, sure. I <laughs> guess, yeah, Exterminating Angel in terms of, like, what to reward it for, that's probably not a bad place. That's probably a good call. Yeah. It, it, to keep that ridiculous thing going mm-hmm. somewhat successfully is pretty damn yeah, impressive from that's the point of view. So we all have uh, Fargo and Double Indemnity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those were definitely my top two. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I know where I want to go number one, but I'm curious as to where you guys want to go number one. I kind of want to go Double Indemnity number one. That's okay. where I want to go too. That sounds good to me. Okay. It really is a perfect. It, it really is. Not to say it's, Fargo right. isn't, but. Yeah, agreed. What were you going to say, Nick? I was just Raymond Chandler, like. Yeah. We should throw him some love. Yeah. Love you, Raymond. R.I.P., buddy. Shout out. He's dead, right? Big shout out. Yes, he's. I think he's yeah. quite dead. I'm, I'm going to feel bad if Raymond's still with us. He's, I'm pretty sure he's been dead for say, uh, decades? nearly half a century. I'm looking up what year Raymond Chandler died. Uh, 1959. So I was right. He was born in 1888. <laughs> Just for uh context legend shout out ray c 88 baby yeah he died before my dad was born wow that's crazy so i was pretty sure (laughs) (laughs) so what what category do you want to go to next dylan oh i think i'm gonna move it over to supporting actor i have three nominations once again Uh, what do you guys have? have three actor supporting i had yeah i had five but i could probably pare it down (laughs) no this was just like these are the only ones that i could think of that were even worth discussing um okay so so what are the five that are worth discussing nick 
so I had two from Strangelove. I had a George C. Scott okay. and Sterling Hayden. Yep. Same. I refused to choose between oh, me those too. two. Me too. I had to have them both. So they're staying. I had them both, and then I had I one, one more. more um, Edward G. Robinson from Double yep, Indemnity. That's the one I had. Okay, and then that's not who I had. Uh, Peter Coyote from ET. Okay. Oh, interesting. As the, the older brother. No, no he's, he's the, the he's like the nice scientist. He's the nice scientist. Yeah, okay. at the place. That's a good call. All right, that's all right. That's all right. And uh, Stevie from Fargo is my other one. Yep. I had Bush- Buscemi was my other one. Okay. Nice. Shut me in my fucking face. Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> no, a lot of good oh, options. Daddy. Um, not um, no no love, Dylan for um, now I can't remember his his character's name. The guy that we like so much, who has the one scene performance in yeah. Fargo. Chishu. No, oh, in Fargo, uh, not Chishu. <laughs> that I that I uh, would have vetoed over uh, cameo versus. Uh, help me. Is it is it Steve Park? Is that the name I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah. Steve Park. Yeah. I, I consider Wait, that. They had the exact same amount of screen time. How can you say Steve Park well, counts and Chishu doesn't? I mean, I don't know. I think it's a, he has a little bit more uh, more to do in the plot. Let's put it that way. But okay. anyway, that's not who I had. I had Sterling Hayden, George C. Scott, and Edward G. Robinson. Okay. All right. So now we're, go- we're basically going to have to decide between the two. Uh, we we can't give a tie? Uh, and I think we should force uh, Nick to decide <laughs> between his two strange factors. Oh, so I think I want to go George C. Scott mostly because... I would go George C. Scott, too. Mostly because uh, he would be super pissed. Yeah. Because he hated this performance. Yeah. That's I would have I would have argued for Sterling Hayden just because that's my personal favorite, but uh, I, I am mm. persuaded by that argument. Yeah, I love the irony of just like, hey, we're gonna give you this award <laughs> for the stuff that you thought was like, hey, we're gonna do a silly one. That's why that's why actors hate directors. Uh, uh, I was listening to some podcast. Who even knows what? Um, talking about like what an awful person marlon brando was to work with and how oh it was the worst and how and it was actually a story that i hadn't i've heard so many stories about how marlon brando was the worst but i hadn't actually heard this particular one before which is that he said that he um you know he's known for mumbling a lot in his performances and that he did it on per he told someone at one point that he did it on purpose because if he mumbled a lot he would have to come in to do adr and he did that on purpose so that the director couldn't choose which line reading to use. He would come in and ultimately get to choose what the line reading was. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, dude. Very, very, very crafty. But uh, anyway, we can give the George C. Scott just to make him mad. Yeah. Woo! Take that, George. George C. Scott, not still with us, right? No. We're not going to be hearing from him. <laughs> I'm just Googling how long ago people died. George C. Scott, I mean, he was a... He wasn't alive into the 90s, was he? That can't be right. Oh, he was. 99. Good wow, for him. Wow, okay. All right. Well, he's so younger than I thought he, he was. He, he died at 71. Yeah, he actually yeah. wasn't that. He was born in 27. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like younger than my grandparents. Okay. Interesting. He always looks like perennially old, though. That's, I think movies. that's what's kind of confusing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if he was only He's married 70, five then... times. Yeah, he was married five <laughs> times, but to Colleen Dewurst twice. Hey. They got... They got married, divorced after five years, married two years after that, and they last another five, five years. years. That's funny. <laughs> weird. Good for them. Okay. Do you know that Go Ben Folds? Do you know that Ben Folds? How many times do you think Ben Folds has oh, been married? God, I, I now I'm afraid to find out. He's been married five times. Really interesting. 
Buddy, what you doing? More like Ben Mary's five, am I right, guys? <laughs> God. Did you tell that anecdote just to set up that joke? Yep. Oh, okay. But it's tr <laughs> but it's also true. It's a true it's a true anecdote. Uh, oh Moving right along. <laughs> Before Jenna just loses herself in the moment. And Mary's fine. Damn it. Uh, okay, let's continue. Very curious how many people you have nominated for this category of Best Supporting Actress. I only have two. I have three. I have three. I have three, and I wonder if they're possibly the same three. All right, who do you got, Nick? I've got Drew Barrymore. Same. Machiko. I knew that would be the one that Janet I, That's who I because left off because I was like... Small performances no, don't count. No, it's not that. I think she's adorable. <laughs> I thought about including her, but I, I didn't think she was a realistic chance to win. So. Um, and then I have Machiko Kiyo uh -huh. and Ayako yeah. Wakao from... Uh, floating Waves. Yeah. yeah, from Floating yeah, those, Waves. Those I, were the two I guess I, I could have gone... I did, I did Haruko Sugimura from Floating Waves instead of... Um, she's she's the, she's other, the mother of the yeah she's yeah. the mother yeah. but i mean she's also like one of if not my favorite ozu people sure. so there mm -hmm. could be some bias sure. in that yeah um, so i went with the two younger um mm -hmm. actresses but honestly like i didn't put too much thought into like whether or not i wanted to include the the other younger actress or the um mother because frankly i have it's Machiko Kiyo. Yeah, yeah, like without it, without that a doubt. That is not hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that one's uh, like I don't. Yeah, this was not not a ton of much. supporting actors. I mean, one, she's phenomenal, no. but yeah, this was slim pickings in this particular. Uh, the only category. other yeah, one I yeah. could think of was like the two scenes that the daughter has in Dumb Indemnity. Oh, yeah. oh, she's pretty good. Kind of... Yeah, she's she's pretty yeah, good. She, but... She's pretty yeah. good. Really, but, really, the only way I from this batch of movies, the only way I could see any argument against it being Machiko Kio would be if you want to try to demote Francis McDormand oh. to support, which, which, which I don't. We talked wanna, about in the episode, yeah. and is yeah. does not would be dishonest. Yeah. So other than that, like her performance is great, but there was really a paucity of uh, supporting roles yeah. for women in this. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I guess there's a bunch in, like, Exterminating Angel, kind of, if we wanted to go down that route. Yeah, but, nothing yeah, but none of them really have a ton no. to do. No. The thing is, like, kind of like Float of Weeds, it was just sort of like an ensemble sort of mm -hmm. work that, like, mm -hmm. I didn't really find, like, shout-outs. Yeah. Um, the only real shout-out was, like, Machiko. Yeah, she's good. Because yeah. she really stands out in that movie. It's just yep. like, wow, that's a star. Yep. I'm going to sound like the producer in real life. Wow, okay. Where's Machiko Kiyo? Yeah, that's what's going to get people into the... Uh, that's who's, <laughs> the movie stars. We're going to get them through the door. All right. Best director, I have four. Best Jen, I know that's half that of them. It is half of them, but it's fine. <laughs> I've got three. Little... All right, Jenna, how many you got? I got three. All right, I'll go right. first. So uh, I, I have them ranked, so I can go worst to best. Worst. I was going to say. Uh, cause <laughs> worst. worst is uh, Stanley wow. Kubrick of the four that I ranked. Nick Nick, Nick looks a little... We can talk about it. Um, uneasy there. Three was Coen Brothers. Two was Errol Morris. And one by a trillion billion light years because I.V. is Yasujiro Ozu. 
This is where we award floating weeds, damn it. So I had two of those. Um, Jana, what did you, which of those did you have? I had three. I had, in I guess this order, in, in Dylan's order of worst to best, I had um, Errol Morris, Cohen Brothers, and Stanley Kubrick. Man, this Ozu. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to be the only one given one. Giving a nom to Stevie Spielberg. I, I thought about it. I really, I really thought about it. Um, that's it's it's Give probably it kind of disingenuous for me not to have included him. He, he 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 doesn't need he doesn't need our accolades. He's the movie. You know who needs our accolades? The movies. Yasujiro Ozu. Yasujiro Ozu needs our accolades. I've already given him a, a wine. He'll be fine. <laughs> Look, we can't all travel <laughs> to his grave. Is he? He's not. Oh, he better not be with us anymore. Because <laughs> you have some some bad news. Oh, Nick has to start googling Yasujiro Ozu, even though he's seen his burial <laughs> place. Uh, so my my three are Spielberg, uh, the Coens, and then Kubrick at number one. Yeah. Well, we didn't really overlap at all then. Um, yeah, we both had Kubrick at number one. You oh, you guys both had Kubrick number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're bullying you this episode. Hey, is going to get shut out. Machigo Kyo yes. has her, uh, yeah. her accolades. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, We're not, right, no, it's not getting, not getting shut, getting shut out. out. It's not getting. She's not. They're not getting trial of the Chicago Seven or. Uh, no, Ma- Ma- no, Mink didn't get shut out. Never mind. You're right. It's it's Irishman. Sorry, Irishman. Or American hustled. We can call it getting American hustled. Also, <laughs> I can't yeah, believe that the, thing is, like, trial the Irishman is lumped in with like, those, those movies. Didn't, those didn't really deserve right. it. Right. The Irishman deserved sure, one. Sure. At least. We can say at least. Yeah. What categories All haven't right. we done yet? Uh, best actor now. Okay. Um, I have four. So do I. I have three. All right. Uh, Jana, how many do you have? I have four. All right. Um, I guess I'll go, go first sure. real quick. Uh, at number four, I have William H. Macy. If we're counting him as a lead, so I know that might be sure. yeah. yes or no. Had him on mine. I count as lead. At three, I have Peter Sellers. At two, I have Peter Sellers. Ah. And at one, I have Peter Sellers. Okay, I see you're doing a bit. Um, yeah, when you when you said three, I was like, wait, <laughs> hold on. Yeah, I was I was very alarmed because yeah. So I I mean okay, I'll I'll do my four, um, and the the three are sort of honorary mentions because. What are we doing here? Uh, but so my, my honorable mentions, you know, I did want to shout out Belly Lugosi. G- gave a very famous and iconic performance. Respect to, to Belly Lugosi, um, who is no longer with us. So R.I.P. <laughs> you know, I, I was pretty sure. Uh, and then I actually did want to shout out, and apologies for my pronunciation, but um, Nakamura Ganjiro? From he was Weeks. my other one. Yeah, yeah. I He's think very, very good. Really, really phenomenal in that movie. Um, and then also Fred McMurray, who I think is great yeah. in, in Double Indemnity. Yeah. So those are my honorable mentions, um, but obviously Peter Sellers. Yeah, I had I had William H. Macy and Nakamura Ganjiro, but this is another uh, kind of Machiko Kiyo situation yeah. where... It's just it. It's, it's, it's Sellers. Yeah. He's so good. He's so good in each of those roles, mm-hmm. but the fact that he's doing three is... Uh, yeah. He's a, t- he's a talented... Talented guy. He's a talented, talented artist. Yeah. R.I.P. 
Yeah. Are we sure? Oh man, I was gonna look it up. But... <laughs> I will not keep doing that. At least, at least we have Fargo and ET in this batch of movies, so it's not. There are living people that we're talking about. Just to be yeah. Clear. I, I I want somebody to make an app where um you look it up in your phone, like the cast of the movie, and it shows you uh, how old they are, like when they made it, but also whether or not they're alive or dead. Yeah. But the, two, two things that I am constantly googling in every single movie I ever watch. So mm-hmm. I would use that. Especially like the when they were they what how what age they were well, when they made the movie and I, I have to go to the wikipedia yeah yeah that's what i and mean. then i have to yeah. go to the wikipedia of and the movie do and math? difference absolutely not because i was just trying yeah. to... albert brooks albert brooks in real life in his young 30s Jesus. i'm 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 uh i think four years older Ooh, than he was when... ouch i mean I to be fair albert brooks like had done a lot before Sure, life. and he's he's his only movie pre that though was our Martin Scorsese's fantastic supporting performance in a Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, yeah, yeah. that was the only movie movie he had before that one. Yeah, but, um, interesting. We have Taxi Driver, right? And this we'll book, get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna yep. we're gonna have Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Lots of acting nominations from Taxi Driver. Sure. I expect both Marty and Ali <laughs> to get uh, some some noms up front. Yeah. All right. What do we have left? Just actress and picture? Is that it? Yep. For yep. actress, I only had two. I and also only had two. I think there's two only two. I wonder if we all had the uh, same two. There's only two. two. I, yeah, I was going to say, really I think there's only two, two to, to I mean, even nominate. If, if anyone has anyone besides Frances McDormand and Barbara Stanwyck, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> or just leave the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Could, again, I had, no, there's, there's really nothing. That's That's what we've got to work with. Yeah, yeah, and uh, honestly, this is a really tough choice because I think both are like Agreed. the best ever doing. Yeah, the best both are ever. very iconic. Mm-hmm. I in the end, I Fran- went Francis. Yeah, same. same. Cool. Some, sometimes the Oscars get it right, you know. Not the reigning, the reigning uh, best reigning. actress, Oscar Triple holder, three-time right champion. I'll make sure to send an email Francis's way and let her know. Let her know. <laughs> she can add this to her accolades. Yep, I'm sure she'd be on. You know, I was thinking about I was thinking about this the other day. If um, she would have given, or I guess it was the best picture speech, um, but if she had given that speech to like a full crowd, um, the way the Oscars normally uh-huh. are, her howling like a wolf would have gone down a lot better. I of think. course, it would have. Like people would have freaked it was a little, out. It was a little odd her doing it in a room of like in a sparsely a in a sparsely people. populated <laughs> sort of restaurant space in a uh, train station. Yeah. <laughs> played strangely yeah yeah the, but yeah, i mean the, also yeah, wasn't the, the wolf thing was like in honor of like yeah it was in reference to a the... crew member who died yeah yeah, yeah. but i yeah. still think like because it still was like so rousing and the movie's about like america i think i think the crowd would have been into it um yeah yeah but I, I, like everyone that i but instead they like cut they cut to joel and he was just sitting there like <laughs> there there's there's fran howling again yeah but like everyone was like making it to be like fran's being weird but like yeah, no, it, it, was... it wasn't. It wasn't really a true Fran being weird moment because it was like this cast, like right. this was like their thing to honor him all the time. Right, that just was not yeah. clear in the moment. I think, which is yeah. why it played so yeah. strange. And then, yeah, that cut to Joel just being like, "Hmm." <laughs> well, the other, the other, uh, the other misinterpreted thing was uh, Yoon Yoo Jung talking to Brad Pitt, okay. and everyone thought that it was like she had a crush on him right. or something. It's like no, she was like, razzing yeah, him. He, she, yeah, she was calling him out for having produced the movie and never, and never being there. And never having been there. Being, yeah, like, where were you? I heard you were the producer. I was like, yeah, she was She was giving him a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Very funny. Too good for Brad Pitt. She's very funny. All right, where are we at? Picture? All right. Best, best picture. Picture. So you guys have <laughs> how many? Me. How many? No, I was gonna say how many nominations? Oh, that's right. We did a ranked list. Okay. Yes. So nine nominations. <laughs> nine nominations. So we are gonna. You guys sent me your list. We gave it a points system, uh, sort of thing. So we are going to start. Let's see. The most points I think you can get is 27, which would be all three of us giving it first place of nine points. Mm-hmm. So that'll be sort of perspective of where we sort of ended up with things. Okay. Uh, in last place, do you guys want to guess what ended up last place between the is three it, of us? Dracula. Is it Duck Soup? No, it's Dracula. No, it's, oh, it was Dracula? Yeah, it's Dracula. Okay. Did we all give it No, last? I put Duck Soup behind Dracula. I, I was oh, okay. being rude. I was not happy when I got that list last night. Uh, <laughs> our last is Dracula with four points out of 27. Okay, well, still. Yeah, not great. Uh, but second to worst is Duck Soup. Gotta be Duck eight Soup. Eight points. Yeah. Do you guys want to guess every single one? Because I, I will say, I will say, everything above those two, like the rank, the rating was really hard for me. I really, really yeah. liked every other movie mm-hmm. a lot. So the, the, yeah, a yeah, different day, like, I could have my- a different order. Same, and I actually switched a couple of mine. Um, yeah, like I I wrote it down, and before even sending it to you, I, I ended up switching yeah. a few. Okay, so it it really was like mood dependent. To- I totally, think. totally, totally. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Duck Soup is eight points. The place above the next one is fourteen points, and this one is nine points. So it's actually pretty close to more of the Duck Soup Dracula side of things than anything. Okay. Is it Exterminating Angel? It's exterminating. Yeah, that's what angel. I was guessing. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I had it seventh, and I still really like it. Yeah, 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 it's good. Maybe, maybe next time we should do a points allocation. Like you have twenty points, you can allocate to certain movies and be like one point for Dracula, one point for Duck Soup, and then like eight points for exterminating <laughs> angel. Or something. Sure. To, to, so it's not just a ranking, but we can actually like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Who knows? Like the, the in the office where they put the beans on the people's faces. That could be a way for us to do it. Sorry. Uh, okay, after Exterminating Angel, which is our seventh place, it's sixth place with Gates of Heaven with 14 mm-hmm. points. Okay. Yeah. Um, and now we have a three-way tie for wow, really fifth through third place. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Three movies with awesome. 18 points. Double Indemnity, mm-hmm. E.T., mm-hmm. and Doctor Strangelove. Doctor Strangelove, what are you guys doing? I was to me? gonna say, did I drag Doctor Strangelove down? Oh, you drug Doctor Strangelove down. How long did you have it? Seventh. Oh, Dylan. Wow. Okay, I had it fourth. Lordy. I had it. I mean, I don't want to spoil where I had it, but I had <laughs> it a little bit. I had it higher. I had it. Uh, it, it got all my points. Like it was, it was the best. That's funny. Yeah. Um, sorry, Nick. Like you guys said, like all of them were so close after those bottom two. Yeah. Oh no. Sorry, it's sixth place. Um, okay. Because Dracula, my bot, my bottom. Oh no, it is seventh place because I put Duck Soup above Doctor Strangelove. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. All right. So I think we have a top two then. Yep. Uh. Next would be Floating Weeds with 20 points, just breaking out of that Peloton. Um, <laughs> I guess that's my win for Floating Weeds right there. Yeah. 
I think we all knew what number one was going to be, though. Yeah. Jan and I both went Fargo number one, and Nick went Fargo number two. So that'll do it. Yeah. That'll good movie. do pig. Good movie. Yeah, good movie. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's see. Next we gotta, week. I, say, I got a couple minutes. Do we want to do a very quick preview of season three? Uh, yes. Of what's coming up yeah. next round with our next nine movies? Um, so the next nine movies that we're going to be talking about, this is this is going to be a, I keep describing everything as being a journey. It's going to be a real journey, these next nine movies that we're going to go <laughs> Every on. Every time um, you get to a new season, it's like, this is going to be a strange, good season. It's going to be a weird one, guys. Um so a lot of long ones and in this two batch. two civil war movies in this two batch? civil war movies two four plus hour long movies i think two civil war movies i think both on the yeah, wrong two, I, yeah, I should say two confederacy movies cool okay yeah but the general is political the general has like no politics in it at all it makes it I think then, he literally for me, only was part of the Confederacy because it was the losing side of Buster Keaton's a loser. Sure. Yeah. So in case it's not obvious yeah. what we were talking about, the first movie we're going to cover in our the next season is Buster Keaton's The General. Um, then we're going to chat about a, a little known movie called The Godfather? I don't the God- think I've heard of this one. Mm. The Godfather. Yeah, the it's, Godfather. Based on a, it's based on a book. Maybe you're familiar with the book. No, not um, the Father God, the Godfather. No, 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 the Godfather. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, maybe you've read the book. Um, and then we have the aforementioned hinted at Gone with the Wind. Um, and then after that is Grand Illusion. Who's who's the director of Grand Illusion, Nick? That's a who's Renoir movie. Renoir? Okay. Grand Illusion. Then, then Greed. Um, I cannot wait for Janet to see that movie. God, it's looking gonna forward be to so going. Good. Looking forward to going. Through. Greed is a four-hour-long silent film. Is this what I've been told? Four plus hours. Well, it should be. It should be like it's, seven it's hours. Three to we eight just... hours long, depending. Um, the the the, 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 the version on iTunes is hours twenty minutes. Oh. The version on iTunes, I believe, is just under four. Let me see. I think Google said four hours sixteen minutes. I remember. Three fifty nine on iTunes. I could take that four hours and watch a brighter summer day, or I could watch Greed. And uh, don't do I, that I know to what me. I have to do coming up here. No, this this actually came up yesterday when Matt and I were because Matt really really wants to watch Brighter Summer Day. He's been like bugging me to watch it, and um, I can't wait to watch it. But the four hour thing is just it's it's tough to find uh, four hours I get it. from time to time. Um, and quite often with like long movies like that, like I need to take a break. I yeah, I was gonna say you not, to split it up. I did not want to take a break, and I know that because uh, we had a podcast in the middle of when I was watching it, and I was kind right. of unhappy. That's right. It's the only uh, time I've never it's wanted pretty, to take a podcast. It's pretty gripping. Like it's a crime yeah no movie. i'm excited like, there's no uh, point i wanted that movie to stop where it felt like four hours yeah. so um, but unfortunately that's not what we're going to be watching and talking about at least not yet um it's, it's greed who directed greed dylan uh stroheim i think it was that yeah er- right. er- eric von stroheim yes. the uh the, the butler from sunset boulevard mm-hmm. wait actually yeah Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, wow. <laughs> now Jenna's interest in Greed went up a this marginal much. amount. <laughs> anyway, my reward after uh, watching Greed, we're going to talk about Hard Day's Night, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, You're going to have to sing the songs on that podcast, Jenna. No, nobody wants that. Literally I nobody. It. I nobody, want it. Nobody wants that. 
um, that um, Hoop Dreams, the documentary, the Bill J, not Bill James. That's not right. Steve James. <laughs> Steve James. Sorry. Thankfully not. Thankfully not Bill James. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Sorry. Sorry, Steve James. Um, and then uh, we have our first. Um, Kurosawa, right? It's taking too long. Right? Yeah. It's taking right. too long. We're getting long. there. We're getting there. And then we're going to finish up with uh, Christmas in the late summer with It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know. It, it, That's right. If we took five months for this last season. We're not going to take five months again. We this say one, that every no. time, though. Okay. Well, and, even and if it, we get to It's a Wonderful Life around October, it'll still be like 95 degrees here. So it'll, it'll still feel like... Uh, Yay, it'll still feel warming. like summer. I know. Yay, everything will be on fire and it'll be 95 degrees. Um, and we'll be watching It's a Wonderful Life. So, yeah, that's those are our next nine movies. Yes. Sounds good. Gonna gonna be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. So we're just, we're, we're just picking up with the general next week, right? We don't have any special stuff we got to do? Yeah. Cool. Nope. No. We're, are all three of us free? I think so. I think so. Cool, cool, cool. I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure I am. My only thing... General won't my... be a long discussion. That movie's I... like... 60 minutes long? I'm, I'm going to a bunch yeah. of movies next weekend, but th- that is all in the evening time and will not interfere with podcasting. Thanks. Oh, did we want to do a last week roundup or should we like save that for another episode? Because Jenna's got to go to Pilates. I do have to go to Pilates. Yes, I got to get out right. and not sit on my sofa. Um, yeah, no, and ne- next week we can do a good roundup because next yeah, by, the, okay. by the next time we talk... Guys, I'll have seen in the Heights, and my world will be forever changed. Um, nice. You guys will have four weeks to, uh, I think, catch up. up. Of, of stuff to round up. Yeah. Yeah. By the next time we talk, I probably also will have seen uh, 2001 and 70 millimeter on the big screen. Oh, my so God. it's my I'm big next weekend jealous. plan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's a little preview of next week. Uh, I'm going to talk about the general. I'm hosting that episode. So. And I've never seen a Buster Keaton movie, so I will be bringing the uh, the first time uh, watching experience to that. Nice, should be good. They're fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Fun. It's fun stuff. Okay. You want to take us out, Dylan? Uh, yeah. So if you want to find us, you can follow us a letterbox or uh, Twitter at Great Movies Pod. If you want to email us, you could email us at greatmoviespod at gmail as well. Yeah, send us emails. We have an email address. We do, uh-huh. I guess. I w- uh, Apparently. <laughs> I don't if, Hey, you know, if, if we say something that just absolutely enrages you, feel free to send us a polite email about it. I'm sure I'll get duck soup over Dr. Strangelove. But uh, that's, that's the right. way the cookie crumbles, Nick. Mm-hmm. Wait, I didn't do that math in my head. You did, you, you put he really did. duck soup over Dr. Yeah, Strangelove? Yeah. This is a real, I know we're in the middle of our outro and I gotta go, but this is a real wild turn yeah. of events considering I went into Dr. Strangelove being like, I'm such a hater, I'm gonna be the one who didn't mm-hmm. like it the most, and then somehow I, I ended up higher Dr. on it than Dylan. I just loved most of the movies we talked about. That's fair, that's fair. But I didn't love, love any of the movies we talked about. Everything was like a solid four and a half out of five on Letterboxd for me, I think. I don't think Even Fargo? Really... Oh, no, Fargo was the okay. one that was like a five. <laughs> I was like, excuse me. Um, okay. Excuse me. So you only Doctor Strange liked it. Okay. Let's wrap this. <laughs> All right, it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Scott for our artwork. Thanks, Scott. That's Brady Artist. That's Brady Twitter. Artist on Twitter. I don't know if I have the energy to be able to close it out after. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> it's All Roger right. out. Roger out.
Roger, I'm just trying to get Janet and Pilates by totally ruining the movie. <laughs> okay, Janet's going to be like stretching in Pilates and just Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange, like, like I know. This is supposed to be like my zen time to really focus on. I need to stop this recording. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.